Demons Discuss, Take 65, The One with the Long Goodbye. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. 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 What are we talking about today, Jean? We are talking about Chapter 39, the, the end of our time in Elizabethan England. Oh. My audiobook says we only have an hour left. Oh, no. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's tragic. This should be the one with the freezer. No, I'm not right. ready. Oh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. But on yes. the flip side, the ebook says we're on page 1,207. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> we still have uh, a thousand. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Okay, so bear with me as I pimp out our Patreon page, everybody. Mm-hmm. We use Patreon so we can continue to pay our bills without serving you ads in the middle of our discussion. That's right. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. And they do what potential advertisers would do, which is toss money at us so we can pay our bills. And mm-hmm. bills, you say, oh, my God, this podcast is free, right? Okay, brace yourself because it's not free nope. for us. It's free for you to listen, but not free for us to produce. You got that? Right. Okay. So we pay for web hosting, media hosting, offside cloud storage, music and image licensing equipment like our microphones. And if you listen to the last episode, you understand how important a high quality <laughs> microphone is yes. and remembering to turn it on. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was all me. Sorry. (laughs) That would be me. Uh, It's any one of us at any time. Now it is any one of us at any time, so we have to pay attention. Also, domain renewals and apps. So many programs and apps. Uh, There's more, but you get it. It's pricey, dude. So, Angela, go ahead. Use your words to convince people to support us. (laughs) Use your words. (laughs) I'm three. I can use my words. (laughs) Um, All your words. All of them. Well, the bad ones. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Depending on the the Patreon level, uh, you get different rewards. Anyone paying $2 or more will get our after show, which is published on our off weeks. And that is a grab bag of topics. So, um, you know what? People have been writing in that they like it. I'm like, really? You do? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you never know what we're going to talk about. We do talk about the topic du jour usually. So, Um, but then as the levels go up, so does the swag and the prizes so you have Yay. to you have to check it out so if you're interested in joining go to patreon.com slant demons discuss and that brings us to discuss your emails and we're gonna start with a voicemail from chloe so yay chloe thank you thank you hi demons greetings from down under the fires are as of this recording almost out getting there now on to shadow of night I have to admit of the three books, Book of Life is my favourite, but I was still sad to leave England and return to the present time. Her father? The whole section baffles me, even on reread. I don't particularly know what to think about it. He wants to spend time with her, but doesn't, wants to lecture rather than just enjoy his daughter's company. Matthew... Who knows what Matthew thinks? (laughs) I found... The bargain with Father Hubbard, only now did I pick up on the fact that there's a bookend in Book of Life and that his prediction came true. I never really picked it up until this reread. 
because I never particularly cared what Father Hubbard thought. I don't particularly like him as a character. Sorry. Overall, I'm excited to be finishing Shadow of Night and can't wait to start Book of Life. Your vampire down under, Chloe. All right, Chloe. Yay. I think that's interesting. I mean, Deb knows all and she reveals as she wants us to know things. But I'm always interested because I know what happens with the three of us that your own bias gets in the way of understanding sometimes like, you know, Father Hubbard. I thought he was a bad guy at first. You didn't like Matthew at first, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like you don't always quite see the the character and their actions for who they are and what they do because of your own bias. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of times they're set up to come across a certain way because it is designed to look through Diana's eyes and mm-hmm. she doesn't know who mm-hmm. she can trust and the ones that Matthew doesn't like inherently she doesn't like because yeah you know. inherently I didn't like yeah there you go <laughs> Matthew you the says, you're like no I like that person now <laughs> yeah. Matthew you don't like oh yeah he's somebody to pay attention to mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right so who wants to start out with their discussory emails I'll start I have one from Suzanne yay Suzanne hey, Suzanne she has thoughts on Shadow of Night especially the goodbyes I think Diana should have been completely upfront with Jack and Annie about her and Matthew's departure. Annie probably knew the truth anyway from her contact with the witches, and Jack could have believed a child version of of the truth that would have kept him from years of heartbreaking, searching, and and that in the end completely changed his life in the Book of Life. I know Diana had a thousand things on her mind, especially the fear that she might not be able to pull off getting back to the right time and place, but I think the kids got a short shrift in all the wrap-up activity. And Diana failed them completely emotionally as much as she did a good job providing in their physical well-being. Might mm-hmm. come from being an only child, having few successful emotional con- connections in her life, but whatever. But not her greatest moment. We didn't get real goodbyes with Mary, and considering the impact she had on Diana and the fact that her influence assisted both Diana and Matthew greatly, I think it was deserved. Mm-hmm. Some general questions from Shadow of Night. In the audiobook version of Shadow of Night, unfortunately and unaccountably, Jennifer Aketa does not do a Scottish accent for Gallo Glass. Fortunately, she did for the Book of Life. Does anyone know the reason for this? Clearly, she can do a Scottish accent and has been doing one for Hamish since A Discovery of Witches. She has other questions, but I'll pause in case we want to answer. A continuity error, because if you notice with the uh, Nathaniel's wife, uh, Sophie, Sophie in the first audiobook had a Southern American accent. In the second, at the very end, she comes off as Australian. And if you have to think about, okay, and I only, ha- I can only speak on this because my daughter does a lot of narration for audiobooks. When you map out the book and write down the continuity for each character, you miss some, especially if you have a lot of characters and you think there's a whole big production studio and everything. No, that's usually the person going in a quiet place where they live and reading the book and doing the intonations, doing everything. So that's a lot to keep together. So I just believe it was a continuity error on her part and the production team, when they got the audio, didn't catch it. Well, not to mention the fact that if you, uh, when we had a chance to spend the afternoon with her, uh, so much work goes into planning mm-hmm. planning the recording sessions and to hear her tell it, most of those books, she was recording 600 pages in two weeks. Yeah. And that includes plotting out and deciding what every character is going to sound like and where the accents have to change and voices intonation has to change and how are you going to handle the third person narration and description and what mm-hmm. folk vocal you're going to use for that i mean it was pretty stunning and yeah from what i understand she doesn't get that book that much in advance no it's like oh 
here you go. Here's the arc. Figure it out. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's by the way, a lot we're of recording. We're recording in three days. It's a lot of printing, highlighting, and going on your past notes. So in her past notes, she probably mm-hmm. didn't realize she didn't give Gallo Glass an accent in Shadow of Night, but did in the Book of Life or thought to correct it in the Book of Life. There's so much going on that's all on one person. So when she turns in the audio, then you have a production team, but they just mm-hmm. want to get it out more than... And you don't even know if it's the same production team from book to book, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah, continuity mess up. It happens because, you know, we're humans after all. True. <laughs> so true. Do you, remember, do you remember her telling us that she could do voices from very little on? I mean, at a young age? Yeah. She said she'd be in the back of the car doing all these different voices and her mom was like, what the heck is going <laughs> what on? Are you doing? Oh my God, she's speaking yeah. in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting side note. Okay, next question yes. is, does anyone know Davy Hancock's fate? He seems to disappear after the shadow of night and we hear nothing more about him. All right, so take that on. She makes us an appearance of sorts in Times Convert. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that he was still around about the time that they were mucking about with the Lord of Pembroke uh, Endeavor, which was scuttled at the end of the Revolutionary War off the coast of Rhode Island. So he was still alive at the end of the Revolutionary War. Past that, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Because he seems to be dead by the time Book of Life rolls around because he's mentioned in the past tense uh, right. when they're talking about Matthew's blood rage. I like to think he's out davying somewhere. Yes. <laughs> dating <laughs> With my Pierre. That's right. Because Pierre kind of disappeared yeah. too. We we're like, oh, is Pierre dead? No, he's probably out peering somewhere. So <laughs> no, I, I think Beth Ann may have him on a much shorter leash these days. <laughs> 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 All right. So any other questions? Yes. So well, last comment. Wish we had glimpses of the scenes referred to in the Book of Life that took place in Elizabethan times and just after with Philippe visiting Jack. More Philippe is always a good thing. I know he is a complex character and I don't like everything he does, but he is an attractive character and I love his complexity. What a feast for a reader. Carry on, ladies. You are spectacular. Best wishes, Suzanne. Thank you, oh, Suzanne. Suzanne. That's yeah. wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll try to earn those compliments. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and thanks for giving us an opportunity to try to address your questions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Jean, what do you have? I have one from a new discusser, Tina. Yay, Tina. Hey, Tina. Welcome. Good morning, demons. New to the discusser world. Love, love, love your podcast. For chapter 39 discussion, even though leaving Goody and the rest of the witches would be sad, my heart broke for Diana and Matthew leaving Jack and Annie. Goodbyes that are given to kids they took in as their own would be so heartbreaking. You would have to tie up any loose ends and set up certain events to happen so history would not be changed. Diana, again, doing anything she would have to to make sure Jack and Annie would be okay once Matthew and her were gone. Diana did what she had to do, even though Father Hubbard is creepy. No matter what, (laughs) Father Hubbard takes care of his flock. Overall, love the chapter, son, in the trilogy. New to the series, books, and TV, maybe just the past six months. I enjoy all so much. I've reread four times and watched three times. Thanks, ladies, for everything you do. I do so enjoy all the discussions and really enjoy the after show on Patreon. Have a great day. Looking forward to you next next episode tina oh, thank you thank tina. You, tina welcome to the fandom that's impressive yes she went all in yes girl yep. <laughs> rewatches rereads i mean it took most of us years to get to where you're at holy yeah. crap you go all right so i have one from barbara. Hey barbara hey barbara hey barbara and she says hello demon divas 
Okay. Chapter 39 and all of the goodbyes. Quote, it must have given the congregation pause to have a wear speak out on behalf of a witch. Unquote. Goody also tells Diana, once again, our hot mess Matthew. And then she puts like a couple of heart emojis and uh, (laughs) (laughs) screws things up again. Yeah, well, that's what he does, Barbara. He means it comes from a place of love. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Or something. (laughs) Or something. (laughs) When 16th century Matthew returns with his hatred of witches, is the congregation like, what the fuck? What's up with the abrupt change of face? (laughs) Were you trying to save them? Not last. Yeah. (laughs) Weren't you just trying to save them not so long ago? Moving on to Father Hubbard. He was basically blackmailing Diana in order to have her give up her blood. Thank the goddess she was more on top of the situation than usual and moved the chess piece (laughs) (laughs) to her advantage. I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. You are the best. Peace and love, Barb. Oh, thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barb. That was great. Um, Okay, so Father Hubbard, Angela said, I was always kind of on his side. Mm -hmm. And I never took it as him blackmailing. I took it as, look, if you're going to be part of my family, I need to know what the fuck I'm buying into here. Yeah, I thought he was just being kind of (laughs) nosy. Well, that too, that too. But I think Father Hubbard is a survivalist first. Yeah. And I feel like he was like, he feels it is necessary for him to have as much information before he goes in and pledges himself. And I feel like that's smart. It's also a little bit of mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Keeps everybody in line. It does. Creepy. Yes. Smart. Yes. And Diana was smart as well. So there's that. And here's my question. I wonder how creepy it's going to come across with uh, our father Hubbard being kind of a hottie now. I think people will take, will give the blood in yeah, their right. heads. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you need, Father Hubbard. There's going to be a lot more benefit of the doubt now. I, I think so. I think people will be a Dora little bit more charitable. <laughs> our darling Dora will be first in line for that. That's true. <laughs> All right, so let's start the wagon. This chapter discussion is brought to you by Catherine Quirk. Thank you, Catherine. Thank Thank you, Catherine. When we left off in chapter 38, after coming off the high of Matthew and Diana's first proper date, we witnessed the aftermath of Stephen's inevitable departure. The news from Galloglass, Stephen's letter to Diana, also sad. But then we open up chapter 39, and we're at Goody Alsop's walkway, and the fetch is waiting for her, all sad. And uh, Goody is there to uh, call Diana in, greet Diana at the door. So what were your feelings when we were approaching Goody's door for the last time? I wasn't sad. I I wanted to power through. I wanted to... It is coming to a satisfying conclusion, in my opinion. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's like kind of like, let's wrap it up. I want to see what happens next. (laughs) That was me. I was like, okay, yeah, you got to say your goodbyes, you know, wrap up loose ends, take what good he has to offer you, and you got to beat feet out of town because this is just getting too much. It is time. The saddest of goodbyes is behind us. Yes. Yes. So, hey, if you can make it through Philippe and Steven, you can make it through this. So keep Mm -hmm. going. Yeah. (laughs) So let's open. 
She says, my father had left London without saying a proper goodbye. I was determined to take my own leave differently. As a result, my final days in the city were a complex weaving of words and desires, spells and magic. Uh, she's making her rounds, you know. Hey, yeah. I got to stop by these people and I got to see these people. And you're getting the feeling that, yeah, we got to go. Yeah, I'm sure Matthew's like st- standing over at the heart and crown, tapping his wrist going, we got to go. <laughs> yeah. We got to go. He's, or whatever the Elizabethan version of dad sitting in the car in the driveway. Right. Time to leave. We got to go. Right. And if I were to equate it to my husband, he's got his checklist. Did you take care of that? Okay. And he's making a line through. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's he just like, okay. Okay, we did this line through. He's, you know, he's a list yeah. guy. <laughs> is he is he a turn is he a turn down the water heater and make sure there's nothing yes. that's potentially going to leak kind of guy yes. too. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know, somebody like me sorely needs somebody like that in their lives. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> okay, so Goody says, so you're leaving us. And Diana says, we must. Then she stops and says, how are you today? And Goody says, somewhat better, thanks to Susanna's remedies. And then Goody also cough, and the force of it bent her frail frame in two. When she was recovered, she studied me with bright eyes and nodded. This time, the babe has taken root. And Diana says, it has. I have the sickness to prove it. Would you like me to tell the others? And she didn't want Goody Elsip to, you know, worry about mm-hmm. telling everybody because apparently Making Goody around. is not in a good way. Mm-hmm. And Goody says, no need. Catherine is was the one to tell me. She says Cora was flying about a few days ago, chortling and chattering as she does when she has a secret. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> she has a tell just like Matthew. <laughs> And Diana says, oh, so that's where she went. (laughs) Great. Cora found the witch's company soothing and Catherine enjoyed challenging her to fire breathing contests. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And here's Goody. We're so glad that Cora has found something to do with herself besides clinging to the chimney pieces and shrieking at the ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then um, Goody says, will you not sit with me? The goddess may not afford us another chance. Diana says, did you hear the news from Scotland? And Goody's like, I have heard nothing since she told me that pleading her belly did not save Euphemia? Euphemia. Euphemia. McLean from the pyre. Okay, so you had something on that, didn't you? Yes. Oh my gosh. Euphemia McLean. I don't know why I've never like chased down this name before, Mm -hmm. but this time around I did. She was convicted Scottish witch who was burnt at the stake and the evidence used against her was the fact that she was looking for relief from pain during childbirth. Ooh. And she and another witch whose name escapes me at the moment, they were both accused of witchcraft because basically they were trying to deliver a live birth and, oh God, she didn't want to be in pain. <laughs> right. Medicine is a magic spell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, anyone on. who's yeah. <laughs> ever experienced good medicine knows it's a magic spell. But yeah. I mean, really? Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. yeah okay. In the in part, the emphasis on what the little I found was the fact that she actually asked for pain. Really played a large How part in it. Dare she? Right. I know. I was livid for days after I read that. How dare she? I <laughs> oh, mean, it's, it's shocking. Yeah, yeah. And those of you who have gone through childbirth or the preambles of it know that sometimes you just have to give in to the magic and ask for that epidural, you know? Yeah. (laughs) God gave us, God and the goddess gave us an epidural for a reason. I'm telling you. (laughs) Al's practically a wizard. (laughs) Yes, he is a wizard. (laughs) Morphine is magic. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
Goody Allsup's decline began the night I told her that a young witch from Berwick had been burned in spite of Matthew's efforts. So Diana says, Matthew finally convinced the rest of the congregation that the spiral of accusation and executions had to stop. Two of the accused witches have overturned their testimony and said their confessions were the result of torture. And Goody says it must have given the congregation pause to have a where speak out on behalf of the witch. He would give himself away if he were to stay. Matthew Royden lives in a world of half-truths, but no one can avoid detection forever because of the babe. You must take greater care. And Diana's like, okay, we will. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm still not absolutely sure if my eighth knot is strong enough for the time walking. Not with Matthew and the baby. And Goody's like, okay, let me see it. And with practice hands, Goody also made eight crossings in the red cord and then bound the ends together so the knot was unbreakable. That's how I do it. It was beautifully simple with open loops and swirls like the stone traceries in a cathedral window. And Dinah's like, yeah, mine didn't look like that. <laughs> it's like Pinterest fails. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, it sounds I like her, those. I it sounds you. like, oh my God. It sounds like her, her knot magic looks like my... My lair cakes, <laughs> kind of, kind of on a slant, and the icing doesn't necessarily want to stick on the sides. It just but matters. It tastes good. It, 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 that's all that matters. It tasted good, right? Yep. So Diana says it wiggled and squiggled around, and Goody's like every weaving is as unique as the weaver who makes it. The goddess does not want us to imitate some ideal of perfection, but to be our true selves. And yep, she's mm-hmm. right. Yes. When you're yourself. I mean, that's what comes out of you most genuinely. And Diana's like, well, I must be all wiggle then. It, which is really interesting, too, considering her history with adrenaline and excess energy yes. and not being able to sit still. Yeah. So Goody's got another knot up her sleeve. <laughs> oh, there you go. She's like, there's another knot I'd like to show you. And Diana's like, really? Another? Huh? <laughs> Goody's like a tenth knot. It was impossible for me to make it, though it should be the simplest. My own teacher could not make the knot either. But still, we pass it on and hope that a weaver such as you might come along. Did she just like show her cards a little bit there? (laughs) (laughs) Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just in case, you know, we didn't know. (laughs) We were saving this one for you. Okay, so Goody also released the just tied knot with a flick of her gnarled index finger. I handed the red silk back to her and she made a simple loop. For a moment, the cord fused in an unbroken ring. As soon as she took her fingers from it, however, the loop released. So this spell was not meant for Goody, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Diana's like, but you drew the ends together just a minute ago and with a far more complicated weaving. Diana's confused. Goody says, as long as there's a crossing in the cord, I can bind the ends and complete the spells. But only a weaver who stands between worlds can make the tenth knot. Try it. Use the silver silk. So Diana's like, okay. She put the silk together in a circlet. The fibers snapped together to form a loop with no beginning and no ending. She lifted her fingers from the silk and the circle held. So apparently this spell was meant for her. (laughs) Yeah, well, which her comment about standing between worlds makes me wonder if that particular power doesn't arise with weavers much at all. And that was something that came from her twin. The twin. Yeah. You got me thinking. I know. The whole crossroads thing is 
such a rabbit hole. And this well, just added to it. This was another thing to put on the pile just now. Right. Well, with her twin, it's like Diana got a lot of the powers that she wasn't originally supposed to have. Yeah. So, yeah. I always assumed it was the goddesses doing a gift from the goddess. Mm-hmm. That she could do the tenth knot, and I'm also wondering if it has to do with the fact that she literally has conceived a brightborn mm-hmm. as part of the reason she can do it the tenth knot as well. Yeah, because at some point in time there were weavers who could do it. Hence, that's why it was passed down. Which makes me wonder if it's it was the weavers who were actually having children with vampires that successfully successfully did it. Right. I. But on the flip side, could a weaver do it? I mean, just because they just kept passing it. In my opinion, they kept passing it down. No one could do it, but they just kept passing it down. I don't see where it says other weavers could do it. Or maybe Goody took that weight off of her and said, you know, we just kept passing it down with the assumption that at one point one could. So we pass it down to the next person that could. Kind of like the chess piece. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't know why thinking at some point somebody could only because they knew I'm thinking it because Goody knew how it was supposed to work. Yeah. Right. So at some point in time, somebody succeeded is what I'm thinking. Other than who knows? I guess we'll find maybe we'll find out with a new book. (laughs) (laughs) You're so pleasantly optimistic. I love it. (laughs) Well, you know, we've got the magic warehouse there. Yeah. There's got to be something in there. There's got to be a 10th knot kit. <laughs> so Goody says a fine weaving with, and she said it with satisfaction the tenth knot captures the power of eternity a weaving of life and death it's rather like your husband's snake or the way Cora carries her tail in her mouth sometimes when it gets in her way Creation and destruction are the simplest of magics and the most powerful, just as the simplest knot is the most difficult one to make. Mm -hmm. So could it be that simple? Could it be that, hey, you know, you can destroy, you can create... So you can do the knot. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you, bitch. <laughs> I've been trying for years. Right. It's like the glass slipper. <laughs> it almost fits. <laughs> I need a shoehorn. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Here's Diana. She says, I don't want to use the magic to destroy anything. Good. He's like, no one wants to use the goddess's gifts as a weapon, but sometimes it's necessary. You wear knows that after what happened here and in Scotland, you know it too. And then Diana's like, perhaps, but my world is different. There's less call for magical weapons. Oh, you think so, Diana? You'll see. Alrighty. Well, yeah. (laughs) Foreshadowing. Yeah. And Goody's like, yeah, worlds change, Diana. My teacher, Mother Ursula, was a great weaver, and I was reminded of one of her prophecies on All Hallows' Eve when the terrible events of Scotland began, and when you came to change our world. And her voice took on the sing-song quality of an incantation. For storms will rage and oceans will roar when Gabriel stands on sea and shore. And as he blows his wondrous horn, old worlds die and new be born. Okay, so not a breeze or crackle of flame disturbed the room where when Goody also finished. She took a deep breath. It's all one, you see, death and birth. The tenth knot had was with no beginning and no ending. The wear snake, the full moon that shone earlier this week, the shadow Cora cast upon the Thames, and a portent of you leaving the old world and the new. I was glad when you came to me, Diana Royden. When you go, as you must, my heart will be heavy. Aw. All right. Goodbye, Goody. <laughs> Peace out. Laters. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, was nice meeting her. Anyway. <laughs> that was pretty abrupt. <laughs> Check her off the list. Here we go. <laughs> On to her. 
Hubbards. Here we go. Right. Usually Matthew tells me when he's leaving my city. Andrew Hubbard's white hands rested on Does the car. Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so his hands rested upon the carved arms of his chair in the church crypt. He's like, hmm, sitting on his throne. What brings you here, Mr. Stroyden? Uh, Diana's like, I came to talk to you about Annie and Jack. I'm leaving London. I would like you to have this for their care. And she threw a bunch of money at the problem. <laughs> like, Here you hey, go. Here's a pile of you cash. You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> you know, you do what you have to do. So Hubbard says, that isn't necessary, mistress. And Diana's like, please, I would take them with me if I could. Since they cannot go, I need to know that someone will be watching out for them. And Hubbard's like, okay, so what will you give me in return? And uh, I have a feeling I, you know, it's not the money. (laughs) She just (laughs) threw money at him. He wants something. And Diana's like, why the money? You know, here, take all my cash. Take care of it. Hubbard's like, I don't want or need the money, Mr. Schroyden. And he sat back in his chair and I picture him all bored, filing mm-hmm. his nails like, what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> and then Diana's like, what do you? And then she's like, no. And Hubbard says, God does nothing in vain. There are no accidents in his plans. He wanted you to come here today because he wants to be sure that no one of your blood will have anything to fear from me or mine. And when he says, my God, I can picture Goody saying the goddess, you know, it's all interchangeable here Mm -hmm. to me. So for him, God wants you to be here. Somebody wants you to be here, Diana. That's why you're here. And Diana's like, I have protectors enough. Hubbard says, can the same be said for your husband? Hmm? And then he glanced at her breasts. Your blood is stronger in his veins now that you've arrived. And there's a child to consider, you know, think about this chick. Diana's like, freaking out. And I can see from her point of view where she would be freaking out because that's what's going on here. When I took Matthew back to our present, Andrew Hubbard would be one of the few people who would know his future and that there will be a witch in it. And then she says, you wouldn't use the knowledge of me against Matthew, not after what he's done, how he's changed. Hubbard's like, wouldn't I, though? (laughs) (laughs) There's a great deal of bad blood between us. And then Tina's like, okay, never mind. I'll find another way to see them safe. And Hubbard says, hey, Annie's my child already. She's a witch and part of my family. I will see to her welfare. Jack Blackfriars is a whole other matter. He's not a creature and he will have to fend for himself. Dinah's like, but he's a child, a boy. Not my child, nor are you. I do not owe either of you anything. Good day. I say good day. <laughs> good day. <laughs> good day, Mr. Schroyden. Let, let's just pause a second. So uh, speculate, total speculation. Let's say Andrew Hubbard is evil and malicious. How do you think he could use the information had Diana not given up her blood to destroy Matthew? What as soon as she showed back up in uh, 2010, he could put the word out saying, hey, here's that bitch you've been looking for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he could have done that with the knowledge. Waited, waited, waited these all these years. Yeah. Okay. If he was that kind of malicious. I mean, that's just me, though. Yeah. What do you think, Jean? I don't think it's malicious. No, he. No, I, I mean, I'm just saying, pretend that he is. What's the worst case scenario? 
that he could use that he could use Use this information from 1590 to destroy Matthew. Oh God! Yeah, that was a mighty big chance she took there. Yeah, it's a huge. I mean, it's a huge risk she took. I mean, God, she could have gotten him. uh, He could have used that to get Matthew killed with the congregation at any point in time. Yeah, I suppose it doesn't have to be 2010 and 1590. It could be anywhere in between there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hmm. kill him before she's born, and it really fuck things up. (laughs) It seems like 1590. The information isn't immediately valuable, but as time goes on, it becomes more valuable. Yeah, and I feel like that's what Hubbard does. He waits shit out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is too, he, he's got an axe to grind with Philippe. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Especially, well, not to mention the fact that, man, I mean, he's juggling Benjamin this whole time too. And he knows his relationship to Matthew all along. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we find that out in Book of Life. Yeah. Worst case scenario, like I said, I think he would wait it out until maybe after Philippe was dead. Yeah. Yeah. And everything's then, in a disarray. And and then, you know, make his moves how he feels he needs to or make a power play. But I never got that impression that he'd ever want to make a power play. He's happy with his place in London. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. So. He, he's happy with his place in London. And it felt more like, yeah, he, like I said before, it was gathering information to use as a defensive weapon, not as a power grab. I mean, having the benefit of, of knowing how it plays out now to think this little mm-hmm. drop of blood held everything together. Yes. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, he was, I don't think I ever, as much as I disliked him, I never thought he would proactively take any of the information that he got out to do harm. Yeah. yeah. I now, just think that he needs protection. He's He has no one to protect him. It, yeah. Yeah. And even at his creepiest, I think what he would do is use it to control his own people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His own flock. It's an intimidation what, thing. Yeah. Like that meme. It's like, if you're not scaring people, you're not doing it right. Yeah. I would yeah. agree. So Diana comes back and says, what if I were one of your family then? This is a big risk on her part. So mm-hmm. would you honor my request about Jack? Would you recognize Matthew as one of my blood, therefore under your protection? And it was the 16th century that Matthew and I was thinking of now. When we return to the present, the other Matthew would still be here in the past. Hubbard says, if you offer me your blood, neither Matthew nor Jack nor your unborn child has anything to fear from me or mine. And that's kind of important because we don't know who his and his. Right. Who all is out there. So there's that. And Diana says, okay, how much blood would you need? Think and stay alive. Finally. Jesus. You should have thought of it before you walk in this. Oh, I just have to interject how insufferable the 16th century Matthew must have been for everybody when he came back. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> so true. So Hubbard's like, yep, very little, not more than a drop. And Diana says, I couldn't let you take it directly from my body. Matthew would know we're mates after all. I always take my tribute directly from my children's neck. Oh, you see how that could be a problem, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you do, Father Hubbard, but you can understand why this isn't possible or even desirable in this case. And then she was thinking, she's like, "Uh, I could use a cup. And Hubbard's like, nope. (laughs) Your blood would be tainted. It must be pure. And then she's like, a silver cup then. And she was thinking of Chef from Septour. Hubbard's like, okay, whatever. You'll open up the vein in your wrist over my mouth and let the blood fall into it. We will not touch, okay? Otherwise, I will doubt the sincerity of your offer. And I don't blame him here. It's like, okay, what are you trying to trick me into? What are you going to do to this cup? What? Yeah. Yeah. And Diana's like, very well, Father Hubbard. I will accept your terms. And she's like, okay, so where are we doing this? (laughs) 
(laughs) Where are we doing this? For what I saw before, your children kneel before you, but that will not work if I'm to drip the blood into your mouth. And Father Hubbard says, it's a sacrament. It does not matter to God who kneels. And to her surprise, Hubbard dropped down to the floor before her handed her a knife and she's like, nah, I don't need that. I'm good. (laughs) And then she flicked her fingers like doing the thing she does and opened her vein and then Hubbard opened his mouth, his eyes on her face. He was waiting for her to renege or cheat him somehow, but she would obey the letter of this agreement, although not in spirit. And she's like, thank you, good Elsip, I said, sending her a silent blessing for showing me how to handle this man. So she says, I held my wrist over his mouth and clenched my fist. A drop of blood rolled over the edge of my arm and it began to fall. Hubbard's eyes flickered closed as if he wanted to concentrate on what his blood would tell him. And then she says, what is blood if not fire and water? And then she called on the wind to slow the droplets fall. As the power of the air increased, it froze the falling bead of blood so that it was crystalline and sharp when it landed on Hubbard's tongue. The vampire's eyes shot open in confusion. No more than a drop, she says. That's all you wanted, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're a man of God, a man of your word. Are you not Father Hubbard? And then Corazal relaxed, her tail loosened from around her waist. She used it to block out the baby from having any knowledge of this sordid transaction. But now she seemed to want to use it to beat Hubbard senseless. <laughs> <laughs> So Diana described, slowly, I withdrew my arm. Hubbard thought about grabbing it back to his mouth. I saw the idea cross his mind as clearly as I had seen Edward Kelly contemplate clubbing me with his walking stick. But he thought better of it because Hubbard's not stupid. I'm I'm just going to say that. I whispered a simple spell to close the wound and turned wordlessly to leave. And then Hubbard says, when you're next in London, God will whisper to me. And if he wills it, we shall meet again. But remember this, no matter where you go from now, even unto death, some small piece of you will live within me. Mm. And then she stops. She looks at him. The words were menacing, but the expression on his face was thoughtful, even sad. So that kind of tells you if you're reading into this and looking Mm -hmm. beyond Hubbard, this is a heavy burden he took on just now. And he agreed to it. So and it's ominous when you're next in London. Yeah. Who knows when that's going to be, right? So she's beating feet out of there. She says, my pace quickened as I left the church crypt, wanting to put as much distance as I could between me and Andrew Hubbard. Farewell, Diana Bishop. And I didn't catch this when I first read that until she said, I was halfway across town before I realized no matter how little that single drop of blood might have revealed, Father Hubbard now knew my real name. So Yeah, but he also knew who Stephen Proctor was already, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is it significant that he knows she's Diana Bishop or not? Yeah. I guess we have to wait and see. Guess we'll see. Yeah. This passage also started another brain worm for me about how blood carries memories and information Mm -hmm. and what is it, what it is about blood scientifically that might be the reason for it. So I bugged Shelly about it. We may have some (laughs) thoughts on it in in upcoming episodes, folks. Yeah. Scientifically, blood carries everything. Mm -hmm. It tells so much about, I mean, when you go to a blood test, they can find out so much about you. Well, I mean, even... Even just within the parameters of this universe, the whole Matthew was able to read some bit of information from Champier and then it was like, oh, yep. then he's dead and I can't read anymore. Right. And, and then the whole questions about whether when Miriam cleared that clot, whether she actually learned anything or not and would right. a clot actually have information and right. just the impression I get weird from stuff like that. Vampires taking in information, it almost seems to have to have a steady flow. For the story to keep going. And a connection to the to the 
brain and soul and right. body is what I'm right. thinking. And it's like, well, scientifically, is that part of the ionic charge that cells have or? It's all magic. Yeah, Yay. I know. I, see, I love, the, I love the magic explanation, but then it's kind of like knowing Deb, she's going to have like some little weird science factoid that it all ties into. Yeah, true. So. That she chased it down just to the, distilled it down scientifically as far as she could yes, and then to, added to in like magic. The, to like the yeah. littlest bullion cube of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> made it magic. Yeah. So. All right. So we're done with Hubbard. Bye, Hubbard. Check. Nice. Nice knowing you. Bye, Cross bye, Andrew. <laughs> Laters. So Walter and Matthew were shouting at each other oh. when she returned to the heart and crown. I want to strangle Walter. <laughs> right? Jerk. <laughs> oh, my God. He's being such a dude. Yes. Go ahead. I mean, elaborate. Let's get. Oh, th- this is the beginning of the best Throckmorton secret marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dumbass idea. And of yeah. course, who is he going to for advice? Hot Mess Matthew. Yeah. He's the guy with all the oh, advice. At least Nothing... it's new Hot Mess Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad's going to come out of this. No. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is the beginning of the end where the end is walking around with his heart in a box. Heart yep. in her purse. Yeah. Okay. So in this argument, uh, Walter's like, it will mean my death and hers too. No one must know she's with child. Then why were you sticking your dick in her, Walter? <laughs> <laughs> Be more careful, dude. Dude, wrap it up. Oh, wait. They, can they wrap it up yet? They, they do. Leather. Yeah. Uh, lambskin. Ow. We already learned that lesson. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you should have been bringing back the rubber trees instead of the coffee. (laughs) God knows he needs it. And here's Matthew. You cannot abandon the woman you love and your own child in an attempt to stay true to the queen, Walter. Elizabeth will find out you have betrayed her and Bess will be ruined forever. Wow. Matthew's given the don't be a dick advice. That's nice. Yeah, well, yeah. I that's mean, what I said. It. At least it's new hot mess, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> the one that learns something. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and knowing how he ultimately and knowing how he ultimately ends up, what do you really have to lose? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. True. Matthew, Matthew is the big proponent of do as I say, not as I actually actually do oh yeah yeah well this way he can go out on a high note though because he's about to leave and he's like oh you shall not do this don't do this Mm. (laughs) yeah be smart be smart so walter's like what do you expect me to do marry her if i do so without the queen's permission i'll be arrested (laughs) well (laughs) it's a little late for for worrying about that now yeah and Matthew's like, you'll survive no matter what happens. If you leave Bess without your protection, she will not. Walter's like, how can you pretend concern for marital honesty after all the lies you've told about Diana? Some days you insisted you were married, but made us swear to deny it. Should any strange witches or wares come sniffing around and asking questions? Walter's voice dropped, but the ferocity remained. Do you expect me to believe you're going to return to whence you came and acknowledge her as your wife? Diana's like, eh, I'm here, guys. <laughs> I can hear you. You're not that quiet. <laughs> Matthew had hesitated. And then Walter's like, I thought not. He was pulling on his gloves. Diana's like, is this how you two want to say your farewells? And then <laughs> Walter's like, oh, Diana. <laughs> Hello, Walter. Walter. Your groom is downstairs with a horse. And then he started towards the door and he stopped. Be sensible, Matthew. I cannot lose all credit at court. Bess understands the dangers of the queen's 
anger better than anyone. At the court of Elizabeth, fortune is fleeting, but disgrace endures forever. Meaning that bitch don't forgive easy. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Especially when the recipient of the forgiveness is younger and prettier and... Has yeah. a hot boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, doesn't end well. Matthew watched his friend thud down the stairs. God forgive me. The first time I heard this plan, I told him it was wise. Poor Bess. Diana wants to know what will happen to her when we're gone. Come autumn, Bess's pregnancy will begin to show. They will marry in secret. When the queen questions their relationship, Walter will deny it repeatedly. Bess's reputation will be ruined. Her husband will be found out to be a liar. And they both will be arrested. <laughs> That's harsh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and Diana wants to know, and the child? And uh, the child will be born in March and dead the following autumn. Ugh, six months. That's to bad. know all that? Well, that's yeah. tough. So Matthew sat down on this table, his head in his hands. I will write to my father and make sure that Bess receives his protection. Perhaps Susanna Norman will see to her during the pregnancy. Diana says, neither your father nor Susanna can shield her from the blow of Raleigh's denial. And will you deny that we are married when we return? And Matthew's like hemming and hawing. He's like, it's not that simple. Yeah, it is. That's what Walter said. You told him he was wrong. And then she remembered Goody Alsop's prophecy. Old worlds die and new be born. The time is coming when you will have to choose between the safety of the past and the promise of the future, Matthew. And the past cannot be cured no matter how hard I try. It's something I'm always telling the queen when she agonizes over a bad decision. Hoist by my own petard again, as Galaglass would quickly point out. And Galglass barges in. You beat me to it, Uncle. There you mm-hmm. go. It's going to bite me in the ass either way. Yep. I've got your paper and your pens and some tonic for Jack's throat. And that's what he gets for spending all his time up in the towers with Tom, talking about the stars. And then Matthew's all, we will have to make sure Tom is provided for Galglass. Walter won't be able to keep him in service much longer. Henry Percy will need to step into the breach again. But I should contribute something for his upkeep, too. So they're all planning for his departure. And it's amazing how much Matthew is propping everybody up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Matthew's the man with a plan, which is shocking. Well, here's a new world being born right here. Matthew. He's got a plan. Amazing. I right? know. <laughs> shocking. It's 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 absolutely shocking. Speaking of Tom, have you seen his plans for a one-eyed spectacle to view the heavens? He and Jack are calling it the star glass. And then Diana's scalp tingled as the threads in the room snapped with energy. Time sounded a low protest in the corners. Even time is going, uh oh, she's having a bad idea. Right now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Slow your roll. What does it look like? Ask him yourself, Galaglass said, turning his head towards the stairs. Jack and Mop careened into the room. Tom followed absently behind a pair of broken spectacles in his hand. You will certainly leave a mark in the future if you meddle with this, Diana, Matthew warned. And then Jack's like, look, look, look. And he brandished a thick piece of wood. Mop followed its movements and snapped his jaws at the stick as it went by. Master Harriet said if we hollow this out and put a spectacle lens in the end, it would make faraway things seem near. Do you know how to carve, Master Royden? And there's Jack. He's like, yeah, I need this done. So can you do this for me? (laughs) Can I get on this for tonight? Reasonable expectations of a child. Yeah, I know. (laughs) If not, do you think the joiner at the St. Dunstan's might teach me? I got to learn this real quick. Yeah. Jack is definitely a demon. I swear he was. (laughs) I got to learn this real quick so I can make this happen. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any more? 
more buns? Master Harriet's stomach has been growling all afternoon. Boom, 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 boom. He's very ADD. Yes, yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Let me see that. And this is Diana. She held out her hand for the wooden tube. The buns are in the cupboard on the landing jack where they always are. Give one to Master Harriet and take one for yourself. And no, and this, she's cutting him off before yeah. he can say anything else. Mop doesn't get to share yours. And then here comes Tom. Good day, Mistress Royden. Just dreamy. If such a simple pair of spectacles can make a man see God's words in the Bible, surely it can be made more complex to help him see God's works in the book of nature. Thank you, Jack. And Tom absently took a bite out of the bun. And how would you make them more complex? Diana's like thinking of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, now, now she's the one that's having ideas. The shoe's on the other foot now. She's, she's kind of pulling her Matthew here. Right. Yeah, it's quiz time. Mm-hmm. Tom goes through our basic physics lessons that we've learned in, you know, high school. Mm-hmm. I would combine convex and concave lenses as the Neapolitan gentleman, Signor Della Porta, suggested in a book I read last year. Mm-hmm. My arm cannot hold them apart at a proper distance. So we're trying to extend our arm's reach with that piece of wood. With those words, Thomas Harriet changed the history of science, and I didn't have to meddle with the past. I only had to see to it that the past was not forgotten. But these are just idle imaginings. I will put these ideas down on paper and think about them. Tom sighed. This is the problem with early modern scientists. They didn't understand the necessity of publishing. In the case of Thomas Harriet, his ideas had definitely perished for want of a publisher. Had he put it down, he would have gotten credit for it. That's what she's thinking. I think you're right, Tom, but the wooden tube is not long enough. She smiled at him brightly. As for the joiner at St. Dunstan's, Monsieur Valine might be more of more help. A hollow tube is what you need. Shall we go see him? Yes. And this is Jack. He's like, Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Monsieur Valine has all sorts of gears and springs, Master Harriet. He gave one to me. It's in my treasure box. Mine is not as big as Mistress Royden's, but it holds enough. Can we go now? He's all bouncing around. Yeah. And then Galglass is like, what's Auntie up to? <laughs> Matthew says, I think she's getting back at Walter for not paying sufficient attention to the future. Mm-hmm. Matthew said mildly. Oh, that's all right then. And here I thought I smelled trouble. <laughs> <laughs> There's always trouble, Matthew said. Are you sure you know what you're doing, my Leon? So much happened that she couldn't fix. She couldn't bring her first child back or save the witches in Scotland. They brought Ashmole 782 all the way back from Prague, only to discover that it could not be taken safely into the future. They said goodbye to their fathers and they were about to leave their friends. Most of these experiences would vanish without a trace. But she knew exactly how to ensure that Tom's telescope survived. This is Diana. I nodded. The past has changed us too, Matthew. Why should we not change it too? Matthew caught her hand in his, kissed it. Go to Monsieur Valin then. Have him send me the bill. Oh, that's nice. That's all she really wanted him to say, not give her permission. <laughs> Just yeah. send him the bill. You'll pay for it though, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she's like, thank you. Don't worry. I'll take Annie with me. She'll wear him down on the price. Besides, who knows what to charge for a telescope in 1591? And so a witch, a demon, two children, and dog paid a short visit to Monsieur Villain that afternoon. That evening, I sent out invitations to our friends to join us the next night. It would be the last time we saw them. While I dealt with a telescope and supper plans, Matthew delivered Roger Bacon's Verum Secretum Secretorum to Mortlake, which mm-hmm. is where it belonged. I did not want to see Ashmole 782 pass to Dr. D. I knew I had to go back to the Alchemist's enormous library so that Elijah Ashmole can acquire the 17th century. But it was not easy to 
to give the book into someone else's keeping any more than it had been easy to surrender the small figurine of the goddess Diana to Kit when we arrived. The practical details surrounding our departure, we left to Galaglass and Pierre. They packed trunks, emptied coffers, redistributed funds, and sent personal belongings to the old lodge with a practice efficiency that showed how many times they have done this before. Could you imagine? No. Well, we are now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, ugh, packing, yuck. I I know. And the planning, the intricate planning, you can't forget details. Otherwise, it'll fuck everything up. It's probably why Gallo Glass doesn't have a girlfriend. He's constantly playing a relocation concierge. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got to map out this whole thing where if a little thing goes wrong, he has to go and fix it right quick. Oh, yeah. Too much. Like I said last episode, too much for one soul to handle. Our departure was only hours away. I was returning from uh, Monsieur Valin's with an awkward package wrapped in a soft leather when I was brought up short by the sight of a 10-year-old girl standing on the street outside the pie shop, staring with fascination at the wares in the window. Okay, so tell me what you thought of this when she's faced with this girl. I, it was kind of an aha moment for me. It's like, <gasps> it's her aunt. She just met it's her, her ancestor. Yeah. 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 yeah, and that was completely clever. Yes. Yeah. Here's my question. I, I wonder if either one of them are, well, no, they wouldn't be ghosts at the Bishop House, or would they? Why couldn't they be, though? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because Bridget mm-hmm. Bishop didn't live in Madison. She was executed while they were still in Salem. Salem. So mm-hmm. I don't see why Rebecca and Bridget, this Bridget, wouldn't possibly be there, too. Yeah. Just a thought. Rebecca, a woman called as she came from inside the shop. Diana's heart leapt at the sight, for she looked like a combination of her mother and Sarah. So definitely a relative. Rebecca said nothing but continued to stare at me as though she had seen a ghost. And I wonder, had she seen a version of Diana before somewhere? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Her mother looked to see what had captured the girl's attention and gasped. Her glance tingled over my skin as she took in my face and form. She was a witch too. Duh, Diana. Come on. I mean, come it, on. it seems like there's some kind of recognition, but also, I mean, not literally, but then there is that literal recognition because if I can discover a witch, she said, when did I become looking yeah. like my mother so much? Yeah. When did I turn into my mother? Yeah. Exactly. And you see it too. It's weird. You see it eventually when you see pictures of your parents when they were younger and you look at yourself. You're like, oh, crap. (laughs) I do look like you. (laughs) So this is Diana. I forced my feet towards the pie shop. Every step took me closer to the two witches. The mother gathered the child to her skirts and Rebecca squirmed in protest. She looks like Grandam, Rebecca whispered, Mm -hmm. trying to get a closer look at me. Hush, her mother told her. She looked at me apologetically. You know that your Grandam is dead, Rebecca. So, whew. She says, I am Diana Royden. She nodded to the sign over their shoulders. I live over here at the Hardened Crown. But then you are. And the woman's eyes widened as she drew Rebecca closer because the stories of Diana had been going all over town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> We're related <laughs> to this bitch. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> And uh, the young girl says, I am Rebecca White. The girl said, unconcerned with her mother's reaction, she bobbed a shallow teetering curtsy. That looked familiar, too. It's a pleasure to meet you. Are you new to the Blackfriars? And she wanted to make small talk for as long as possible, if only to stare at their familiar yet strange faces. No, we live by the hospital uh, near Smithfield Market, Rebecca explained. I take impatience when the words are full. The woman hesitated. I am Bridget White. 
and Rebecca is my daughter. So we know where those names came from. Yep, there we go. And it sounds like she's a healer. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Sarah got it from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Even without the familiar names of Rebecca and Bridget, I recognize these two creatures in the marrow of my bones. Bridget Bishop had been born around 1632. And the first name that Bishop Grimoire was Bridget's grandmother, Rebecca Davies. Would this 10-year-old one day marry and bear that name? You know the answer. Yes. 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 Come on. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Rebecca's attention was caught by something at my neck. I reached up. It was Isabel's earrings. I had used three objects to bring Matthew and me to the past. And that one just happened to fall on her neck right then. So... Yeah. Meant to be. Meant to be. Uh-huh. There's a goddess at work again. Yep. This earring. Okay. So uh, I had used three objects to bring Matthew and me to the past. A manuscript copy of Dr. Faustus, a silver chess piece, and an earring hidden in Bridget Bishop's poppet. This earring. I reached up and took the fine golden wire out of my ear, knowing from my experience with Jack that it was wise to make direct eye contact with children if you want to leave a lasting impression. I crouched down until we were at equal level. And she says, I need someone to keep this safe for me. And she held out the earring. One day I will have need of it. Will you keep it close? And Rebecca looked at her solemnly and nodded. Diana took her hand, feeling a current of awareness pass between them and put the jeweled wire into her palm. She wrapped her fingers tightly around them. Can I, Mama? I mean, it's too late. You already took it. So I guess so. You already had the connection. You already agreed to it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yep. It's good now. I guess Mom has to say yes. Yeah. Our mother replied warily. I think it would be all right. Come on, Rebecca. We got to go. We got to go. go. Fuck the shit. I'm out. out. It's just like an adult to put up all the roadblocks and to be suspicious and everything. It's just like the child to be open and (laughs) no, yeah, just, just, have this the awareness just needs to be done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how children are. They're like my grandma says. They're closer to the truth. Kids yep. and dogs. Yeah. Thank you. And this is Diana. Thank you. I said, rising and patting Rebecca on the shoulder while looking Bridget in the eye. Thank you. And she felt a nudging glance. And she waited until Rebecca and Bridget were out of sight before she turned to face Christopher Marlowe. Here we go. And do you know, this read was the first time I realized that she wanted Matthew to make amends because of Matthew, not because of Kit. All the time I thought she was like, oh, she's feeling sorry for Kit or whatever. No, it was totally explained in this book. And I looked over it where it's like, you know, you need to make amends. But because if you don't, Matthew's going to take a piece of this and he's going to beat himself up over it for mm-hmm. years. So yeah. this is for him. And Kit would still be winning. Yeah. yeah. And death, he'd be like, ha, still winning, bitch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which amuses me, to be honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what also, this is unrelated, but it amused me that he brought down the Jeopardy champ, too. <laughs> this is true. Still winning. Still winning. Still winning. <laughs> Mistress Royd and Kit's voice was hoarse and he looked like death. Walter told me you were leaving tonight. And she says, I asked him to tell you. And she forced Kit to meet her eyes through an act of sheer will. This is another thing I could fix. I can make sure that Matthew said a proper goodbye to a man who had once been his closest friend. Kit looked down at his feet, hiding his face. I should never have come. Diana's like, I forgive you, Kit. Marlo's head swung up in surprise at her words. Why? Why? I wouldn't forgive me. You're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Because you love him and because as long as Matthew blames you for what happened to me, a part of him remains with you forever. Come upstairs and say your farewells. And um, yeah, 
she's like, I'm doing this for Matthew. I'm doing this for me. I forgive you. And that's what they always say forgiveness is about. It's about yeah. you. It's not about the other person. Mm-hmm. So the last part of that, I mean, in all seriousness, I think in this moment, you, you actually finally see that Kit Marlowe has demons, no pun intended, as far as self-worth that are probably even bigger than Matthew's. True. So Diana says, come upstairs and say your farewells. Matthew was waiting for us at the landing, having divined that I was bringing someone home. I kissed him softly on the mouth and I went past on the way to our bedroom. Your father forgave you, I murmured. Give kiss. Oh, give kiss. It's <laughs> <laughs> another give, story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> give Kit That's same, a fanfic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give Kit the same gift in return. Then I left them to patch up what they could and what little time remained. All right. See you, Kit. This was a busy leave taking as opposed to when they left Madison. Yeah, yes. true. 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 Man, it's like Grand Central Station around here. Yep. A few hours later, I handed Thomas Harriet a steel tube. Here's your star glass, Tom. I fashioned it from a gun barrel with adjustments, of course, explained Monsieur Valin, famous maker of mousetraps and clocks. And it is engraved as Mistress Royden requested. There on the side, set a lovely little silver banner, mm-hmm. was in the legend, N. Valin, me, Fisit, T. Harriet, me, invent What? I don't know. Nicholas Valin made it. Thomas Harriet invented it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mine. <laughs> Mine. So mine. Nicholas Valin made me. Thomas Harriet invented me. 1591. I smiled warmly at Monsieur Valin. It's perfect. Can we look at the moon now? Jack cried, racing for the door. It already looks bigger than St. Mildred's clock. And so Thomas Harriet, mathematician and linguist, made scientific history in the courtyard of the Harden Crown while sitting in a battered wicker garden chair pulled down from our attics. He trained the long metal tube fitted with two spectacle lenses at the full moon and sighed with pleasure. Look, Jack, it's just like Signor de la Porta said. Tom invited the boy into his lap and positioned one end of the tube at his enthusiastic insistence eyes. Two lenses, one convex, one concave are indeed the solution if held at the right distance. After Jack, we all took a turn. Well, that's not at all what I expected, George Chapman said, disappointed. Did you not think the moon would be more dramatic? I believe I prefer the poet's mysterious moon to this one, Tom. It's like, ugh, now that I see what it's really made out of, it's not so fun, right? (laughs) And then Henry Percy's like, why it's not perfect at all? He complained, rubbing his eyes and peering through the tube again. Of course it isn't perfect. Nothing is, Kit said. You cannot believe everything philosophers tell you, Hal. It's the sure way to ruin. You see how little philosophy has done for Tom. And then Diana's looking at Matthew and she's grinning. It had been some time since we enjoyed the school of night's verbal repose. Okay. I didn't miss it for one. I was going to say, you know how much I enjoyed Kit. Even I'm like weary of him right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. At least Tom can feed himself, which is more than I can say for any of the other playwrights in my acquaintance. Walter peered through the tube and whistled. I wish you had come up with this notion before we went to Virginia, Tom. It would have been useful for surveying the shore while we were safely aboard ship. Look through this Galaglass and tell me I'm wrong. You're never wrong, Walter, Galaglass said with a wink at Jack. Mind me well, young Jack. The one who pays your wages is correct in all things. So, that's so true. So she invited Goody and Susanna to join them and they took a peek through the telescope and they're like, why do men bother with these trifles? Ugh, we already Wait, knew this. Do you think we're led to believe with that comment that Galaglass is the one that started the ship and the telescope 
telescope, like looking on land. Huh. Huh. Of the old captain. You yeah. Know. Pirates. Because it's, yeah. it's between Raleigh and Gallo Glass. Yeah. Could be. What else could we believe at this point? Yeah. Because they're the first ones with this device at their disposal. So, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, the women are complaining. Why do men bother with these trifles? I could have told them that the moon's not perfectly smooth, even without this new instrument. Do they not have eyes? <laughs> Dumb men. <laughs> After the pleasure of viewing the heavens, only the painful farewells remain. We sent Annie off with Goody Alsop, using the excuse that Susanna needed another set of hands to help the old woman across town. My goodbye was brisk, and Annie looked at me uncertainly. Are you sure you're all right, mistress? Shall I stay here instead? No, Annie. Go with your aunt and Goody Alsop. And then she blinked back the tears. How did Matthew bear these repeated farewells? Well, now you're seeing. It's not that easy. Kit, George, and Walter left next with gruff goodbyes. Yeah. Bye, man. See ya. You know. Later. You know. <laughs> More later. You know the man hugs. All right. Yep. See ya. Chest bump. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> little fist to the back. Okay, man. Okay. <laughs> God forbid that your hand would be flat and not a, I know. Not a fist. <laughs> no, you can't do that. It's got to be a fist. All right, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Come, Jack, you and Tom will go home with me, Henry Percy said. The night is still young. I don't want to go, Jack said. He swung around to Matthew, eyes huge. The boy sensed the impending change. He knows. Like, how hard would that be for Jack? He's yeah. finally, like, settled. And now this. Mm. Yeah. Matthew knelt before him. There's nothing to be afraid of, Jack. You know Master Harriet and Lord Northumberland. They won't let you come to harm. What if I have a nightmare? Nightmares are like Master Harriet's star glass. They're a trick of the light, one that makes something distant seem closer and larger than it really is. And this is Jack. Oh, considering Matthew's response. So even if I see a monster in my dreams, it cannot reach me. Matthew nodded. But I will tell you a secret. A dream is a nightmare in reverse. If you dream of someone you love, that person will seem closer, even if it's far away. Yep. He stood. He put his hand on Jack's head for a moment in a silent blessing. How hard. Ugh, Ugh, this I can't is, imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine. Once Jack and his guardians had departed, only Gallaglass remained. I took the cords from my spell box, leaving a few items within. A pebble, a white feather, a bit of the Rowan tree, my jewelry, and the note my father had left. I'll take care of it, he promised, taking the box from me. It looked oddly small in his huge hand. He wrapped me up in a bear hug. Keep the other Matthew safe so he can find me one day, I whispered in his ears. Yeah. My eyes scrunched tight. I released him and stepped aside. The two de Claremont said their goodbyes, you know. Chest bump, yep. fists to the back. Bye, man. See ya. Briefly, but with feeling. Pierre was waiting with the horses outside the Cardinal's hat. Matthew handed me up into the saddle and climbed into his own. Mm. Farewell, madame, Pierre said, letting go of the Pierre. reins. <laughs> Thank you, friend. I said, my eyes filling once more. And Pierre has been there the whole time. The that whole time. The, that would be the hardest, I think. Pierre handed Matthew a letter. I recognize Philippe's seal. Your father's instructions, my lord. Matthew says, if I don't turn up in Edinburgh, in two days. Come looking for me. I will, Pierre promised as Matthew clucked to his horse and we turned towards Oxford. We changed horses three times and were at the old lodge before sunrise. Francoise and Charles had been sent away. We were alone. Matthew left the letter from Philippe propped up on his desk where the 16th century Matthew could not fail to see it. It would send him to Scotland on urgent business. Once there, Matthew Royden would stay at the court of King James for a time before disappearing to start a new life in Amsterdam. The King of Scots will be pleased to have me back to my former self. Because this one went a little bit wonky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Matthew commented, touching the letter with his fingertip. I won't be making any more attempts to save witches, certainly. Yeah. You made a difference here, Matthew. This is Diana. Now we need to sort things out in our present. We stepped into the bedroom where I arrived all those months before. You know, I can't be sure that we'll slip through the centuries and land exactly in the right time and place. And this is her warning him. Yeah. And he's like, you explain that all to me, Moncor. I have faith in you. Let's go meet our future again. Check this one off. Goodbye, house. <laughs> Goodbye, house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so much truth in that. Yep. I looked around our first home one last time. Even though I would see it again, it would not be the same as it was on this June morning. The blue and amber threads in the corners snapped and keen impatiently, filling the room with light and sound. I took a deep breath and knotted my brown cord, leaving the end hanging free. Apart from Matthew, the clothes on our backs, my weaver's cords were the only objects we were taking back with us. With a nod of one, the spells begun. I whispered. Time's volume increased with every nod I made until the shrieking and keening was nearly deafening. As the end of the ninth cord fused together, we picked up our feet and our surroundings slowly dissolved. And that's the end. Woo. Yep. Any thoughts? Oh my gosh. It was a good end to that time walking story arc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And just like I said, it felt like a checklist. It was well done. Yes. Very. Yeah. All right. We're going to gavel this thing with the gavel, Angela. The gavel. Right, listening. Yep. Paying no. attention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> going once, going twice. So. Oh, I heard it that, that time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you kill me. <laughs> All right. So the next thing is housekeeping. Housekeeping. This housekeeping is brought to us by Brianna Houston. Thank you, Brianna. Thanks, Brianna. Thank you. All right. Who's got something for us? After I that, do. we need something. I do. I've got some housekeeping from Barb. Hey, Barb. Love, love, love the podcast. But if I can ask you to back up the bus just a bit. Okay. What the fuck was Louisa Claremont doing at Elizabeth Tudor's court? Did you come as Marlowe's plus one? If Kit was in communication with her, why didn't one of his babysitters know about it? Seems like somebody dropped the ball on that one. Keep up the fantastic job you are all doing it is noticed and greatly appreciated peace and love barb thank you barb thank um you. thank you um i don't know what the fuck she was doing I, I know i guess i'm hoping that the show is going to fill in some of those like yeah gaps. that's good good point gene yeah why didn't one of his ba i think we discussed this before about his babysitters his babysitters were off and about doing other things like walter was hanging out with bess and um mm -hmm. henry was busy probably with dealing his with mother. his mom right and they were in Prague. Um, yeah. A lot of the clan was yeah. in Prague. And it, we, I think we had discussed that it was months in the making of this plan, not just uh, a weekend trip. Yeah, she seemed to show up after Christmas. Yeah. And maybe Kit decided to just go rogue because he knew without Matthew being there, he could get away with a little bit more mm -hmm. and he can slip under his babysitter's radar saying, do you know what? These guys are busy over here. I'm going to break in case of emergency, Louisa. And this will surely get it done and get this witch out of my life. Because I seriously think when Matthew left to go to Prague, Kit just went crazy. 
<laughs> went yeah. nuts. And Desperate. No, yeah. And knowing that he went off with Diana and there's nothing Kit can do to sabotage yeah. it. It's just a means to gain control over the situation. And Galloglass was with them in yes. Prague. So, I mean... Right. Galloglass would have surely stopped it. Yeah. If he, he knew she was there, the first letter would be to Philippe going, uh, bitches here mm-hmm. in London, did, did you send her? Yeah. I think that was slippery work in Kit and his babysitters thought that maybe Kit was under control because he was putting on a good face. Because a person with a plan is a lot more calm than someone who's just frantic. Well, let's talk about Slippery, too. And this might be something we'll find out. Maybe Louisa popped back home to Septours, realized that there had been another woman using her rooms Mm -hmm. that smelled suspiciously like a witch. And she Mm -hmm, beat feet to find out what her brother was up to. And they were already gone. Right. Yeah. That's so that could be some of it as well, because she she's always had her own agenda with all this, too. And Kit, to a certain extent, was a pawn in her agenda. And he saw her as a pawn in his agenda. So they use yeah. each other. Yep. And um, I think it would have been completely plausible for Kit to disappear for big chunks of time because he was writing Hero and Leander at the time. Yes, that's true. And he needed the creative space, supposedly. Right. You true, know? true enough. So they were probably like, ah, he's out being Kit. Whatever his babysitter, he's kidding is. somewhere. He's kidding somewhere. He's <laughs> he's fine. They all had their own problems. And guy also mentioned before, maybe Matthew was the glue that kept that group together. I mean, in a way, this whole thing with how Kit and Louisa fell through the cracks is kind of a preview of what ends up happening to Jack as he gets older. True. Yeah. He fa- he kind yeah. of falls through the cracks too. Right. But in a di- different sort of way. I don't know, Barb. We're just throwing those out there. Yeah. Let those rattle around. Thank- around yeah. Thanks for head. giving us prompt yeah to think about it sure enough all right angela we're gonna save you for last all right you know good news (laughs) good news (laughs) i have one from christine and this is reference chapter 38 and she says good evening lady demons i love this chapter i'm glad diana got the chance to know her father as an adult in just that short amount of time he was able to give her a few good lessons too he reminded her and matthew to have fun have date nights i'm sad that he didn't tell diana goodbye but i understand he knew he was going back to die but he saw that she survived and became something great he was proud of her i think he didn't know how to say goodbye outright and he Mm -hmm. didn't want to see her in tears so that would be hard for any dad yeah so he did it as easily as he could but having an evening with friends he made and then quietly going back okay matthew and diana went out on their first real date steven reminded her and him about the many things she had wanted to see in the past and matthew finally took the time to show her these things it was wonderful to watch them have fun they could laugh dance shop together and then watch the sun come up it ended when diana realized her father left but matthew could help her through that loss sorry i kept this so short but i wanted to respond sincerely chris and chris thank you thank you this just missed our discusser email list last time so hey i figure i'd fit it in here we love you chris (laughs) yay Angela, what do you have? I have a five-star review from Apple Podcasts. (laughs) It is from Jay Scovey. 
Five Star Love, Demon oh, Ladies. Wow. Oh. Y'all should be crazy proud of this podcast. Not only do you guys keep it entertaining, but I absolutely love all the history and knowledge you bring to the material. You have helped open another world to me just by discussing the books we all love. This is like being a fly on the wall to a witty and intelligent book club. <laughs> keep up the great work and know you have a fan in Dallas. Ah, oh, that's Thank awesome. Thank you. Oh my God. That is so awesome. I like that people keep calling us witty and intelligent. That strikes my ego a little bit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it gives me something to aspire to. I know. Right. Because <laughs> there's a lot of times I have my doubts. <laughs> Every damn day. Every yeah, damn I know. Day. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you like the show, this is to listeners in general. If you like the show, uh, leave us a five star or four star review on Apple Podcasts. You know, we'll take four star love too. Write out a review. It helps us. It helps others when they read these reviews saying, yeah, I want to push play and see what this is all about. Yes. And also, if you have an Android phone, I keep saying go to Apple Podcasts. But there's other ways to leave us a review. Podchaser is a good one. And now we're going to start tracking Podchaser reviews because we subscribe to an app that allows us to, that keeps all of our reviews in one place. But now Podchaser is a thing. I'll put a link in the show notes to Podchaser and it's very easy to leave a review there. So we'll read those two in the future. So yay. Yay. Thank, thank you. you. All right, guys. So now it's time for Saver for the show. You guys oh, ready? You got yes, a little northern... Northern uh, United States, Canada there. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Show, <laughs> show, yeah. Show, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good day. Good day. I around my husband too much. <laughs> hey. He is from Northern Maine. <laughs> hey. All right. So now it's time for Saber for the show. Okay. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Great. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. Okay, so this episode, Save It for the Show, is sponsored by Patricia Brophy. Thank you, Patricia. Thank, Thank you, Patricia. You. Topic is All Souls Con. Start planning. Now. Yes. yes. Now, now, now. By the time this episode is up, the tickets may possibly actually be on sale. Yep. And I suspect that at least the preliminary agenda will have been published. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, I will put a blurb in. You know how I butt into our podcast with present me? I will do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the con itself, correct me if I'm wrong, is October 24th and 25th? Yes, Or is it the 23rd to the 25th? Friday. Uh, Friday night is the opening uh, registration and the costume party, and then Saturday and Sunday are sessions. Okay. Right. So I usually count the cocktail party and the registration. I usually count that as part of it. As long as you're there, by, it's kind of an, a good meet and greet, too, that, oh, yeah. that time. So, yeah. It's in Philadelphia this year. At the Science History Institute again. Yay. Again. Yes. Which is and a nice facility. Amazingly. And they love us, by the way. <laughs> they do. The, the curators do. just love All Souls and the fandom. And they're part of I'm, the fandom, quite frankly. Amazingly, we have a plan going in this time. Yes, we do. I'm not going to reveal it, though. Of course I'll not. have to come and see it. <laughs> Last time, the museum, cur- they curated uh, some of the Discovery Witches TV show props, and I hope they do it again. That would be cool. It's 
been hinted at that they are just rubbing their hands together and with glee and sifting through their own library for treats for us as well. Oh, so yay. we may get more bestiaries and fun stuff like that. So those of you who are out there that are in the northeastern United States, perhaps you would consider popping down to Philadelphia and joining every one of us All Souls fans and uh, seeing what this whole All Souls Con is about. How would you describe it, guys? I remember Deb described it as like a big college reunion. Yeah. At one point. Right. Gathering of it's friends. It's like a fandom reunion at this point. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say, you know, if you're but new to the, the fandom. Yeah. I mean, the attraction is come. the other, coming to meet other people who share your interests. That's the most exciting thing about it is meeting people. Yeah. It's not the celebrities. It's not even necessarily the speakers. It's meeting new friends and old friends. Mm-hmm. Common interests. I know we talked about this in the after show. Someone says, how do you meet people? As, a, as an adult. <laughs> as an adult. Because you're kind of relegated to work, you know, yep. and this is how you do it. Exactly. You know, just be like us, old ass fangirls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm speaking for myself. I'm feeling kind of old ass today. So, <laughs> yeah, we've been fangirling for uh, eight years. Eight years, going on nine. Yep. Crap. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny too because when I'm on Facebook, it shows me my memories. I was like, wait a minute, that was seven years ago. It's like, holy <laughs> crap! You're kidding me. I know. I know. It doesn't seem that long. It really doesn't. Mm. So, anything else for All Souls Con that we can talk about at this point? I mean, short of having Laura on, which we should have soon. Which we will soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can say is try to be there. If you're a big fan of this series and the TV show, try to be there. If you're planning on being there, start making your reservations for lodgings now. Yes. Don't and why put is it that? Off. Tell them why. Put um, the urgency in them. The urgency is that we do not have any room blocks associated with this con this year because the Science History Institute and the hotels were not able to offer them because there is a very large nursing convention that overlaps with our weekend. So a lot of the prices have gone up, or I should say a lot of the prices are at their set rates. There's not a lot of discounts available. There's not a lot of flexibility available. And they're going to do nothing but go up. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In fact, Airbnbs seem to be going up week by week as the availability shrinks as far as open weekends. Weekend, so y'all need to make plans soon. This is not something you can put off. That's what you get. Free market. Even if you can't book your flights at, you need to get your lodging. Yeah. yeah. Which is exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> because, because truth be told is usually most airlines don't let you book out really more than six months at a time. So it's not even time yet to be able to book flights. Yeah. And as Angela often points out to me, it's like, you know, let's make our hotel reservation. It costs nothing to do it. So yep. might as well do it now. Reserve a spot. So even if later you you can't go. You can always cancel those, right? Yes. Or yep. hand it over to somebody who can use it. Yeah. So Very true. The things we go over when we talk about All Souls Con, don't be scared of coming by yourself because mm-hmm. you'll be amongst friends, I feel like. I know that's intimidating to go anywhere by yourself. Grab a buddy, maybe. Someone you don't mind showing you're crazy to, maybe. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. I always have you two, so it's fine. It's true. I know. <laughs> it's hard for me to say, but yeah, plan for it. I can't tell people how to budget their money as far as this much for meals or this much for touring the city, which you want to do in Philadelphia. But I can say there is a vendor area. There will be a vendor area again where you want to snatch up some good All Souls, a discovery of which is goodies. Yeah, very true. Anything else? Nope. Just that as soon as we know something, you'll know something. That's it. Well, that was a nice, short, sweet saver for the show. So 
So on that note, stick around, listen to me talk about how you can get a hold of us, leaving five-star reviews, all that stuff. After that, we'll do last thoughts and things we cannot let go of. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact. And all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there, too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Demons Discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive, and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela Man, I can't believe we're almost done with Shadow of Night. It's been a long, intense journey. Yeah. I'm glad that we spent the time on the chapters this time. All oh. these new things we discovered, too. Yeah. Exactly. It's like there's so much still there that we haven't touched on. It's amazing. And doesn't it make you wonder how much we don't know? Not necessarily because we didn't pick it up on a read, but because of future books that may come uh, yes. available that'll yeah. fill in the gaps of uh, and make us realize new things again. Well, I mean, yeah. even Time's Conference did some of that. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see what Deb has in her suitcase in New York this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit. Sure. The fact um, that she's in New York. Yeah. We're recording on the 21st of February, mm. future past. Yep. Deb's in New York this weekend. <laughs> uh, apparently she pulled an Angela and went to the Met yesterday and shared yeah, some of that with everybody. Today being Friday, we're hoping she has meetings, but we have no idea. Cross your fingers and toes. Uh, maybe we'll be getting an announcement soon. Wouldn't that be something? It'd be yes. super, so super. Which that is my last thought. I think we're approaching the calm before the storm. Yeah, I believe. Right? I we believe keep, we totally keep saying, right. "Oh, it's kind of boring right now. There's nothing going on." Pretty soon, that's going to transition into the calm before the storm. Yeah. Well, I think this is the calm before the storm. Storm's not close enough, in my opinion. It's <laughs> only it's only February. The storm is going to be like it's, summertime when they start yeah. uh, circling out over the Atlantic right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Picking up steam. We're just battening down the hatches. Yep. <laughs> no, I think it, right now the, all the meteorologists are fighting about whether it's going to like take a course over Alabama or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's going to head towards the Gulf or is it going to go up north and slow down? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like the calm before the storm to us is odd because we just went through last year, the second half of last year, we went through nothing but storm. So it's like, right. huh, what's going on? Yeah. What now? In a boring fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess we'll see. My last thought is, you know, going on my little Netflix binges because I have been a lazy fiction reader. Lazy. Mm -hmm, Me too. Very lazy. This year, even for me. Yeah. 
I've been reading nonfiction, which I keep swearing I'm going to change, but I feel like in our current climate, I have to stay on top of everything. Mm -hmm. Anyway, in order to tickle that bone of fantasy and everything, I've been watching a lot of Netflix and magic is just a huge thing. It's always been, but people will never get tired of magic. Never. No. I mean, the lock house uh, or lock and key. key. Yeah. I, I watched that whole season yeah the magician the magicians are on netflix right now um yeah sabrina sabrina chilling adventures of sabrina october faction which we already talked about yeah there's a one or two more yeah that oh, i put up in more. my queues so yeah i mean even some of the dubbed ones some of the foreign oh yeah a lot of it's magic uh, i know we went through different phases like zombies that was a big thing yeah. for a few years and vampires always they come in and out but i feel like witches are constant yeah I would and agree. Um, yeah so if you're missing the magic check out netflix <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> especially if you've been a lazy fiction reader i've <laughs> i honestly fiction wise i really wish i could get myself i feel like i'm at a point in my life where i feel like if i block out reality too much i will miss something do you uh -huh. know it's just that constant uh I gotta stay on top of it. And I don't I it's a beat I hope down. We get to, it's a beat down. It really is. Yeah. I hope one day that we get back to a point where I can sit back and relax with a book. Do you I know? know? I mm -hmm. agree. Ugh. Anyway, that's kind of sad. Anyway, <laughs> let's do magic eight ball. All right. <laughs> okay. Jean, do you have a question for it? Traditional or tie-dye? Tie-dye. Tie-dye. Let's go for the funky. Can you oh, think we... of a question? Yeah, I was going to say, why don't we just ask, will we be getting news on the book soon? Yeah, news on the book. Deal with that, magic eight ball. What you got? Well, as chance may have it, I tried to swivel it so I could read the reply. To it. The triangle flipped over to, you may rely on it. Oh, well, <laughs> well, cut and dry. Yeah. yeah. Hey, speaking of Magic Eight Ball, I want to point people to our Redbubble shop. We have new merchandise featuring our famous Magic Eight Ball, famous to us anyway, because yeah. we're always consulting with the, it. With the touch of science. <laughs> <laughs> with a nice little Ouija board. With the Ouija board to keep and it company. Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> Check that out. You can go to uh, go.demonsdiscuss.com slash shop and it's featured there as our latest entry their tote bags which i love they came out as far really as good. i know only one person in the world owns an item yeah yes yes from what i can see that's because we haven't been advertising it yes. on a public show i think i made one post somewhere mm -hmm. <laughs> i think on facebook maybe <laughs> yeah, and, we, and we shared and we shared the uh winner's glee for a uh, yeah Miss camille the, the demon roulette winner is camille and if you are a patron of us you will get to participate in that so there's that patreon.com slant demons discuss now that i'm done plugging us everywhere let's say goodbye and end this goodbye everyone <laughs> bye, bye. Demon kiss. Mwah. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.